If you were to describe your mom in three words, what would they be? Hopefully words like caring, compassionate, and protective come to mind. The bond between a mother and a child is one of the strongest human connections. The intense attachment that develops between mothers and their babies is unlike anything else. It's a bond that 19-year-old Ashley Wallace thought she had with her mother, Stacy Castor. She said her mom was her best friend in the entire world. She trusted her with her life. But then things took a sinister turn. When Stacy's second husband died under mysterious circumstances, investigators grew suspicious. And after police found that Stacy's first husband also died years prior in a very similar way, they wondered, could Stacy be a killer? Stacy was thought to be a loving mother and wife, devoted to her family, but something wasn't right here. And when Stacy realized that police were onto her, she came up with the most twisted plan an unthinkable plot to frame her own daughter, Ashley, for the murders, and also kill her as well. Today's case will leave you shocked, stunned, and chilled to the bone. Welcome back to Avery After Dark. I'm your host, Avery Ross. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I feel very blessed to be a part of your week. And be sure to follow the Avery After Dark Instagram. I post tons of stories and content on there all week long. I'm always keeping you chilled and spooked during the week. You know I gotcha. And I would be so grateful if you head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And if you want all these episodes early and ad-free, join the Patreon. I'm linking that in the show notes. If you love mystery, supernatural, paranormal, and the most mind-blowing true crime cases, you're in the right place. I post new episodes every week, and it's always something chilling here on Avery After Dark. Always. Now, let's get into today's story. Just like the Golden State Killer in BTK, Stacy Castor is in an evil league of her own and is among the rank of criminals better identified by her nickname. She's very commonly referred to as the Black Widow. A Black Widow refers to several species of venomous and potentially deadly spiders and is a name given to a woman who kills one or more of her lovers. Ooh. There is so much to this case, so let's start from the beginning. Stacy Castor was born Stacy Daniels in Clay, New York in July 1967. Stacy met her first husband, Michael Wallace, in 1985 when she was only 17 years old. A few years later, the couple married and had their first daughter, Ashley, in 1988. Their second daughter, Bree, was born in 1991. Stacy worked at an ambulance dispatch company while Michael worked nights as a mechanic. And although they were building their family, money was tight and that seemed to put a strain on things. The majority of couples admit to arguing over money at one point or another. It can be a hot topic in marriages, but it went a bit deeper than that. According to Stacy, Michael was really close to Bree, the couple's youngest daughter. And according to her, he apparently showed a blatant favoritism that Stacy noticed and felt uncomfortable with. She said she tried to make up for this by becoming best friends with their oldest daughter, Ashley. Along with this, the couple seemed to grow apart over the years, and it was even rumored that each was having extramarital affairs. But in late 1999, Michael began feeling a bit under the weather. Intermittently, he would become really sick. Family members said they remembered seeing him unsteady, coughing, and looking swollen. No one was really sure why he was feeling so bad and thought it would pass, but it didn't. It seemed like it was getting worse and worse. He was getting weaker and sicklier by the day. As this inexplicable illness persisted over Christmas, 
His family was growing really concerned and started urging him to get help, go see a doctor, get checked out. It wasn't normal to feel this bad for this long. He acknowledged their concerns, but before he was able to get checked out, Michael Wallace was found dead in early 2000. Doctors told Stacy that her husband had died of a heart attack. Stacy seemed to accept this, but Michael's sister was really skeptical of all of this and wanted to know exactly what happened to her brother. She requested an autopsy so they could see, but Stacy said, no, let's let this go and move on. She flat out refused and said the doctors were right. It was a heart attack. So Michael's sister remained suspicious of the entire death. Something wasn't quite right here. But to her community, Stacy appeared to be this really resilient, strong, single mom. Here she was after the tragic, sudden death of her husband, now on her own, supporting her two daughters. People, family really rallied behind her. She was suffering through this horrible loss of Michael. And when she met someone new, a man by the name of David Castor, everyone was really happy for her. She was getting a second chance at love, a new life, an opportunity to move on and be happy. David was the owner of an air conditioning installation and repair company, and she served as his office manager. In 2003, Stacy and David married, and from then on, she went by Stacy Castor. But only two years into her second marriage, there was another tragedy. One afternoon in August 2005, Stacy called the sheriff's office to tell them that her husband had locked himself in their bedroom following an argument between the two. And Stacy said she had not seen or heard from him for the past day and she was getting worried. She said that along with the argument, David was really depressed as he had recently lost his father. He was just in a bad way, or so she said. Authorities arrived shortly after to make a wellness check and Sergeant Robert Willoughby was on the scene. He got to the bedroom, knocked, called for David, but no response. He then kicked in the door of the bedroom and made a grim discovery. David Castor was dead. Two of Stacy's husbands, both dead within years of each other. What are the chances of that? Police began investigating the scene. They found the items near David's body were a container of antifreeze and a half full glass of bright green liquid. Willoughby says he remembers that Stacy was screaming at the scene. He's not dead, he's not dead. An autopsy was performed and the coroner reported that David had taken his own life through a self-administered lethal dose of antifreeze. Throughout this, Stacy continued to emphasize how horrible things had been for David recently since his father passed away, telling investigators that he had been so depressed. And strangely, Stacy had a really odd plan after the death of her second husband. She requested that David be buried alongside her first husband, Michael. The two graves of her husbands right next to each other. It's creepy. It's creepy. All of this wasn't sitting quite right for a number of detectives working the case. Detective Dominic Spinelli was doubtful of this entire scene for a number of reasons. Firstly, because at the house, police found Stacy's fingerprints on the antifreeze glass and on a turkey baster that was found in the trash can. And this turkey baster had David's DNA on the tip. So why would Stacy's fingerprints be on the antifreeze if she had nothing to do with this? And furthermore, what would David's DNA be doing on the tip of a turkey baster? In addition to this, police looked at the matter of his death, ingesting antifreeze. And this is an extremely horrific and painful way to go. So to think that David would willingly ingest this, this wasn't adding up. Detective Spinelli, along with many others in the department, 
began to suspect that Stacy wasn't this innocent, grief-stricken widow. Investigators were starting to believe that she had poisoned David herself. They believed that Stacy had used the turkey baster to force-feed David once he became too physically weak, ultimately leaving his DNA on the tip of the turkey baster. And after it was done, Stacy tossed it in the trash, not believing police would think anything of it. But they needed more on her. Investigators began audio and visual surveillance on Stacy's house and began to watch her. Specifically, detectives monitored the grave sites of her husband's. Because remember, they were buried side by side. At her request, detectives believed that Stacy's behavior after the death would be very telling. If Stacy was really telling the truth about her love for her late husbands and how badly she was grieving for them, then she would most definitely visit their graves, right? But investigators waited and waited, and they found that Stacy Caster never visited those graves, never brought flowers, never stopped by to pay her respects. In the meantime, Detective Spinelli was beginning to find striking similarities between David's death and Michael's death, Stacy's first husband. But David had died years prior, so investigators soon felt the only way to prove she was responsible for both murders was to have Michael's body exhumed. And so that's exactly what they did. A toxicology screen ruled that Michael Wallace had also been murdered through antifreeze poisoning, as traces of antifreeze crystals were found in his system. David Spinelli got word of this and said he knew at that point they had a double homicide and that Stacy Castor probably killed both of her husbands. Now, like I touched on earlier, this is a very, very cruel way to murder someone. Ingesting antifreeze is not a quick way to pass on. It's a slow, agonizing death. It's horrific. Two days after Michael's body was exhumed, Stacy was brought in for questioning. And it was around this time that Stacy started to realize that police were looking at her. She was shocked that they weren't moving on like they did with Michael's death. After all these years, she finally began to sense that her days as a free woman may be numbered and she wasn't gonna get away with this. It could be coming to an end. After learning that police had exhumed Michael's body and found traces of antifreeze in his system, Stacy was now sensing the walls were closing in on her. And this must have been a big surprise for Stacy, as she had been able to get away with this for so long. In September 2007, Stacy began to panic as suspicion mounted over the deaths of her husbands. And it was at this point she started to devise a plan to get herself out of this. She wasn't going to go down for these murders. But in her mind, she felt she needed to find a scapegoat, someone she could pin this on. This individual had to be close to both of the victims and close to her. This person would have to be someone she knew intimately. And she quickly came up with an idea. But who would she choose? A family friend? A distant cousin? The mailman? No. Stacy made the decision to set her oldest daughter, Ashley, and make her take the fall for the murders. Her own daughter, her own flesh and blood. Now, Ashley thought of her mom as her best friend, someone that always had her back, her go-to person in life. But after David's death, things really changed. On Ashley's first day of college, investigators came to her school to question her about Michael's death and to inform her that he had been poisoned. Someone had murdered him. This was completely out of left field for Ashley. So understandably upset, she did what many of us would do. She called her mom and asked her, what's going on? 
What are these investigators saying? What's happening? In those moments of uncertainty, we all just want our mom to comfort us, to tell us everything's okay, to fix things. To find out that her dad, who she originally thought had just passed away from a heart attack, was actually murdered, had to be the shock of a lifetime for her. And it was about to get much worse. Soon after, Ashley said her mom invited her over to the family house to have a drink together. And Ashley agreed. The following day, Stacy again invited Ashley to come drink at the house. Now, this was out of the ordinary for her mom, but Ashley said okay and went back over. Not long after getting to her mom's house, Stacy offered Ashley another drink. And this time, Ashley said the drink tasted really bad. 17 hours later, Ashley was found comatose in bed by her younger sister, Bree. Bree screamed for their mom and said they needed help, and Stacy made the call to 911. In these frantic moments, Ashley's sister left her side for a moment, and when she returned to the room, she said she found something strange. There was a note laying next to Ashley that contained a supposed full confession to the murders of her father and stepfather. This typed up 750 word confession laid it all out there, stating that she murdered both her father, Michael, and David, and now she was ending it all. So Stacy's first husband mysteriously dies. Then her second husband suspiciously passes away. And now her eldest daughter was on the brink of death. I'll ask it again. What are the chances of that? When paramedics arrived to the scene to find Ashley, she was unresponsive. Stacy quickly took the note and gave it to authorities. She was very eager to do so. On the morning of September 14th, Ashley was rushed to the hospital. And according to doctors and investigators, she was only 15 minutes from death. If Bree hadn't found her sister when she did, she wouldn't have made it. Doctors did all they could, and eventually, and thankfully, Ashley woke up. As soon as she stabilized, police began questioning her about what happened, about the note. And she's like, what note? Detectives continue speaking with her, and she flat out denied being involved in either of their deaths. And detectives believed her. Detective Spinelli, especially. When he read over the supposed confession note, something really stuck out to him. He saw something familiar. In the note, antifreeze was misspelled as antifree. And he had heard this before from one person, Stacy. This was a mistake she always made when saying that word. In interviews and conversations, Detective Spinelli recalled her saying antifree, mispronouncing it in such a memorable way that when he looked over that note, it jumped off the page. In so many of these cases, when people think they can get away with murder, there's almost always so many ways in which the murderer will give themselves away and they don't even know it. Tests revealed that potentially fatal painkillers had been found in Ashley's system. And Ashley said the last thing she remembered was her mother making her an alcoholic drink and that it tasted really bad. But she drank it because it was her mom. She trusted her. And she told officers that she did not write that note. For two years, investigators had collected evidence against Stacy for the deaths of her husbands. And in 2007, she was finally arrested for second-degree murder in David's death and for attempting to murder and frame Ashley. Stacy was finally arrested before she had the chance to kill off any other family members. Prosecutors said motive was money. She tried to forge her second husband's will, which left his $300,000 estate to her. She was also looking to collect on life insurance policies. Big shocker there. 
And the logistics of Ashley being responsible didn't make sense, as Ashley was only 12 years old at the time of her father's death. So in order to believe that she was responsible, you would have to believe that a 12-year-old orchestrated this big plot to poison her own dad all by herself and did so without getting caught. Stacy's trial began, and when brought to the stand, Ashley testified that she did not murder her father or her stepfather. District Attorney William Fitzpatrick argued that David's death had never made sense given the lack of his fingerprints on the glass or container tainted with ethylene glycol, a toxic substance found in antifreeze, and the turkey baster found in the trash can, bearing both ethylene glycol and his DNA. They felt that this suggested that he was force-fed the antifreeze, not that he willingly ingested it. Given the evidence of the evolution of David's illness, they concluded that Stacy had fed her husband antifreeze through the turkey baster before trying to make it look like he did this to himself. Now, on the other hand, Stacy said that her husband got this idea to do this while both of them were watching a news report about Lynn Turner, a woman who murdered two of her past lovers using that poison. I think it's the other way around. I think that's where she got the idea to do this, not him. As I mentioned, the prosecution further emphasized money as one of the main reasons Stacy murdered her husbands. She wanted to collect on their life insurance and estates and had changed David's will to exclude his own son by a previous marriage from the money left to him by David. And if Michael had been cremated or if David had not died, they would have never known that Stacy was a killer. Both of the murders provided insight into each other's, which is pretty crazy. When searching Stacy's computer, prosecutors found several drafts of this supposed confession note. And forensic investigators found that based on the timestamps, it had been written while Ashley was in school, proving that she couldn't have written it. And on the stand, Ashley testified that she only drank that nasty tasting drink because she trusted her mom. Because of course she did. She was her mother. She always believed she had her best interest at heart. She never thought she would do this to her. But Stacy's defense team were set on creating reasonable doubt about Stacy's role in the murders. They wanted to poke holes in Ashley's version of the story and prove that she could have been capable of murdering her father when she was only 12 years old. And the motive? They said that their dad showed favoritism towards Bree rather than Ashley. So according to them, she got so jealous, this was a possible motive for Ashley having murdered him. For David, the defense team noted that he and Ashley's relationship was a rocky one. To most people, this all sounded like an insane theory, but there were some people who believed it. One of those individuals was Ashley's grandmother, Stacy's mother. She believed her granddaughter was the guilty one, which is just, wow. In a final attempt to convince the jury she wasn't guilty, Stacy actually took the stand. She maintained that it was Ashley who murdered both of her husbands. She wouldn't really provide a specific motive, just implying that her daughter Ashley was mentally ill. And this again made no sense. Ashley had no history of any mental illness. And prior to this, Stacy never made any mention of her daughter's mental state or got therapy for her. And Stacy's behavior during these illnesses made no sense either. Given the year she had worked for an ambulance company, she would know when to call for help but she did not seek help for Ashley for 17 hours. The DA said that Stacy was a professional at killing her family members. It came to her so easily, saying that when she killed her second husband, she almost got away with it. 
The DA told the jury she got better at it, and when she devised the plan with Ashley, she was a professional by that point. So disgusting and so evil. And a great point made during her questioning was how a woman who had tragically lost her past two husbands to poisoning would choose not to get help for her daughter for 17 hours. It was even reported that Stacy even had partied in her backyard with friends like nothing was happening as Ashley was comatose in her room. In the end, the defense's attempts to shift the murders onto her daughter failed. And on February 5th, 2009, Stacy Castor was found guilty of second-degree murder and the poisoning death of David and of attempted second-degree murder for overdosing Ashley. Stacy had her eyes closed as the verdicts were read. And she always maintained her innocence, saying, I did not kill Michael Wallace, I did not kill David Castor, and I did not try to kill my daughter, period. The entire time, still insinuating that Ashley was the guilty one. In March 2009, at Stacy's sentencing, the judge was asked to impose the maximum consecutive sentences because of how brutal these cases were. It was said that Stacy is cold and calculating and had no emotion for what she had done. Stacy placed no value on human life, not even her own flesh and blood. To Stacy Castor, human beings are disposable. David's son, whom Stacy had cheated out of his inheritance, pleaded with the judge for Stacy to be severely punished. He said, Your Honor, Stacy is a monster and a threat to society. She's created so much pain and death with this creating multiples of pain and death in the families of those she has hurt. The judge in this case, Judge Fahey, told Stacy that he had never seen a case like this, where a parent attempted to murder their own child in order to set this child up for a crime they themselves committed. The judge said that Stacy was in a class all by herself. He sentenced her to the maximum of 25 years to life for the murder of David and to another 25 years for the attempt to kill Ashley. For forging David's will, he ordered Stacy to serve an additional one to four years in prison, a total of a 51-year sentence. In total, the trial lasted four weeks, and Ashley was understandably emotional during the entire thing. She told the judge she hated her mother for ruining so many people's lives, but still loved her for the bond she originally had with her. She said, I never knew what hate was until now. Even though I do hate her, I still love her at the same time. That bothers me. It's so confusing. How can you hate someone and love them at the same time? She continued on and said, I just wish that she would say sorry for everything she did, including all the lies. As horrible as it makes me feel, this is goodbye, mom. As hard as you tried, I survived. And I will survive because now I'm surrounded by people that love me. I'm going to do good things in this world, despite making me, in every sense of the word, an orphan. Hearing Ashley's side of it hits really hard. In 2009, ABC News aired a 2020 special about Stacy's trial and the entire case. During all this, Stacy had been dubbed the Black Widow by media outlets and the press. Ashley said that she doesn't know how her mom or any other mom could try and kill their own child. And this is really one of those things that no sane person could or would ever understand. It's pure evil. Stacy, on the other hand, said that she was actually really shocked by the verdict and maintained her innocence during the 2020 special. And she stayed true to throwing her own daughter under the bus, saying that Ashley brought this on and insisted that she and Ashley really knew what happened. 
She did express sympathy for her other daughter, Bree, and said that her mother, stepfather, and some other relatives actually still support her. Ashley nor Bree ever spoke to their mom after the trial and said they were always surprised that Stacy never came to them to ever apologize, ever, or take any sort of responsibility for all the atrocious things she had done. It's always interesting to get psychological insight into a case. And when interviewed, a forensic psychiatrist named Dr. James Knoll stated that most confession notes focus on themes of remorse and the person not being able to go on with life. But the note supposedly written by Ashley was really focused on taking the blame off Stacy. That was really the sole purpose of that note. He said that this theme was repeated 14 times within the letter and that he believed that Stacy would never admit guilt. And when asked why Stacy would continue to say she's innocent, he said the code of murderers such as these is deny, deny, deny until the bitter end. And for Stacy Castor, her end was very bitter. When evaluating Stacy's case, she was never officially labeled a serial killer, but many believe she is, as it's likely that she would have killed again. She was going to keep doing this until she got caught. She had a pattern. Noel said that killers may have many different motivations, and he described Stacy as the Black Widow type rather than a typical serial killer. And if all of this wasn't overwhelming enough, the DA pointed that Stacy may have murdered her own father, Jerry Daniels, who died in February 2002. Apparently, he passed away shortly after his daughter Stacy visited him in the hospital, where he had a minor lung issue. Stacy's first husband's family believes Stacy may have killed her father by bringing him an open can of soda for her father to drink. And why would she do this? Money. She was the executor of his estate. The twisted evil saga of Stacy Castor seemed to be endless. But then, in a shocking turn of events, prison guards made a discovery in June 2016. Stacy Castor was found dead in her cell that morning. She was 48 years old. At first, it wasn't clear how she died, and it was listed as undetermined. But later, the DA's office said that she had died of a heart attack with no evidence of foul play or that she had done anything to herself. In the end, this case really reflects the idea that looks can be really deceiving. Because for a while there, Stacy had everyone in her New York community fooled of her innocence, including her two daughters. This case is also so shocking because when women kill their male partners, it's almost always done in self-defense or in defense of the children. It's very rare that women engage in psychological terrorism of their partners. And it's even more rare that a mother would turn around and try to pin it all on her own daughter and attempt to murder her. It was truly a miracle that Brie found her sister when she did, and Ashley was able to live. My mom is my best friend and I am hers, so this case really hit me hard. One of the biggest parts of being a parent is protecting your child from things big and small, keeping them safe, having their best interest at heart above all. I myself don't have children yet, but I already feel that protective instinct for them bubbling up inside of me, and they haven't even been born yet. It's just a natural thing. You protect the ones you love. But in my opinion, some mothers and fathers don't deserve to have children. And I pray for Ashley and Bree, as well as the rest of the families affected by Stacy. In the beginning of this episode, I said this story would leave you stunned and chilled, and I really meant that. 
For someone who doesn't know you to hurt you is one thing, but to think that someone that's closest to you claims they love you could do something like this, that's more chilling than anything. That type of betrayal is gut-wrenching. But I gotta know, what are your thoughts on this case? Leave them in the comments. I'm really eager to hear your take on The Black Widow. I would love it if you subscribe to this channel. Leave a like and a comment if you enjoyed this episode. And tell me what you want to see next on Avery After Dark. Next week, I have so much more coming your way, so be ready. Until then, I'm Avery Ross, and this is Avery After Dark.